Let's begin daily breath, Lenten 2022, uh, day three, with a prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son to show us that you are Emmanuel, God with us. You never forsake us, even when we are unfaithful to you, and you never deny us, even when we disobey you. You are truly compassionate, and your loving kindness gives us a hope. In our time of evil and horrible atrocities, help us fast from hatred and feast on your love. Help us to fast from judging others and feast on Christ's forgiveness. Fast from pessimism and help us to feast on hope. Now as we open our ears and hearts to your words, strengthen us with your Holy Spirit and arm us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the, most, in the name of Emmanuel Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's read today's text, Romans 1, 14-17. Romans 1, 14-17. I am obligated both to the Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is a power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This passage we just read is considered as the thesis of the book of Romans. Here we see not only theological theme of the book, but also Paul's personal attitude and affections for the gospel. Here we see not only Paul's theology, but his spirit. I call it tremendous thrival, tremendous thrival of the gospel. And for that, I want us to focus on three key words, obligated, not ashamed, and righteousness of God. First, verse 14, Paul said, I am obligated both to the Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. The Greek text actually says about the I am obligated is that I am a debtor. I am a debtor. Interestingly, Paul did not say he was a debtor to God, but he was a debtor to Greeks and non-Greeks. Non-Greeks in the original language are barbarians or whoever did not speak Greek, the lingua franca of time. In other words, this term Greeks and non-Greeks means those in civilization and those outside of civilization, or those in the known world of a Greco-Roman Empire and those unknown outsiders. Simply put, it includes everyone in the world. Now, why did Paul say he was debtor to everyone in the world. It is because Paul received the gospel of Christ before others. Here, Paul has a spiritual version of wealth guilt. Wealth guilt. Have you heard of wealth guilt? Sometimes it is called the sudden wealth syndrome, SWS, which refers to a type of a distress afflicts individuals who suddenly come into obscene sums of money. It is similar to survivor's guilt, 
a guilt complex developed in people who survived a massive tragic accident where others did not survive but perished. Paul felt a spiritual wealth guilt, spiritual wealth guilt, because what he received from Christ was so huge and incomparably infinite. Earlier in 2 Corinthians 8-9, Paul also confessed that he became rich in Christ, who willingly became poor for us. 2 Corinthians 8-9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. With the love of Christ, who died for his sin and gave his Holy Spirit and life to him, Paul felt overwhelmed, like someone owes a huge debt. It's like you hit a billion-dollar lottery jackpot while many struggles and poverty and a situation like a Ukraine war. Paul knew what he received was not his own achievement, but God's free yet costly gift and grace. He can't take a credit for it or make a claim. Rather, he felt obligated to share it with others. Gospel of Christ made, made us, made a Paul, not complacent and easy, but convicted and eager. That's why verse 15, Paul said, This is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you and who are in Rome. At this moment, let me ask you some questions. Do you know that you are greatest debtor of all because of God's greatest love? Do you live each day as if you are creditor? Do you feel everyone owes you something? Are you burdened with a sense of entitlement or unfulfilled expectations? Or do you know that you are debtor because God gave you the greatest treasure of the universe? God so loved the world, He gave you His only Son so that you will not perish but have an eternal, everlasting life. Do you know what you have in Christ? Let us confess and praise God today that you and I are the richest people in the world because of the gospel of Christ. Second, Paul says, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why did Paul mention shame here about the gospel? Why couldn't he just say, I am confident of the gospel because it is a power of God to save everyone? Why did he express his conviction about the gospel with a shame or shamed? That's because the gospel came through the crucifixion. Crucifixion was the most horrible fate that could fall on a person in the Roman Empire. It was so painful, not only physically, but also psychologically, because the crucified person was also stripped naked in public. It was a very intentional public execution to shame someone who challenged the authority of the Roman Empire and also to create an indelible trauma to anyone who was thinking about defying Rome. The stigma of a crucifixion was so great that the Roman Senate forbade its citizens from crucifixion by law. And some Romans said the word crucifixion was too horrible to be even a curse word. 
and no Roman citizen should ever utter that curse word. Now let us remember one thing about Paul, that he was not a romantic missionary or passive thinking preacher like Joel Austin, who said that you can do whatever you put your mind into. Paul was a realist, accurately aware, accurately aware of a scandal of a crucified Savior. That's why he said in the 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one who is by speaking by the Spirit of God said, Jesus be cursed. By the way, because the crucified person was called the most cursed at the time. And no one can say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Paul was keenly aware of a paradox of a shame and power in the gospel of Christ that our Lord was a crucified Savior. In one word, he was not ashamed of a most ashamed Savior. Here Paul calls the shame of Christ's cross to be the power of God because it is the power of God that brings a salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews and to the Gentiles. We have seen what this power looks like. It is a resurrection power by the Spirit that Paul mentioned in verse 4. As we shall see in three weeks in Romans 6, uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 14, Paul expect that God's people live lives of resurrection power here and now on earth by the Holy Spirit. Paul says this power is available to all who believe, to the Jews first and also the Gentiles. The gospel of Jesus as the resurrected Lord comes to the Jews first because God made this promise of salvation through Davidic Messiah, through Israel's scripture. It is also the Greeks or Gentiles because Jesus is the Lord of all. Finally, Paul tells us the theme of this, his letter, that is, this gospel manifests the righteousness of God. Verse 17, For in the gospel, righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to the last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Righteousness of God is not just the main theme of the Romans, but the whole Bible. Righteousness is a loaded theological term, but generally speaking, it means to do what is right. It is a relational term, precisely a covenantal relational term. Paul said in the gospel, righteousness of God is revealed. While the word righteousness appears abundantly in the Old Testament and the New Testament about 213 times, the phrase righteousness of God is actually rare, appeared only 31 times. For God, this means making good on God's promises to Israel. The resurrection of Jesus manifests God's covenantal faithfulness, God's righteousness. Paul tells us God's gift of a righteousness is a colossal event of a revelation that Paul used the Greek word apokalyptai, from which we have an English word apocalypse. Something stupendous and transformative on a cosmic scale took place in the gospel in which the righteousness of God is revealed. Paul also used the imperative verb tense to indicate this amazing revelation, salvific revelation is a continuing event that God makes 
this salvific event happen in everyone who believes. Also, this phrase, by faith from first to the last in Greek text, simply means from faith to faith. From faith to faith. I'm running out of time. Simply put, it means Christ's faith to our faith. Christ is the first righteous who live by faith, even on the cross. Even when everybody gave up on God or even dying with a curse on the cross, Christ believed in God and, and then pray for sinners who are crucifying him. That is a Christ's faith. His faith, his unwavering faith in God's undying love becomes basis of our faith. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. And our faith is not to just believe in Christ, but to follow and imitate Christ. Like Christ, we also live, we are empowered to live life of a righteousness or covenantal faithfulness by faith now. We become like a Christ who trusted God with a faith and obedience even on the cross. Let us trust God. Let us live each day, each moment, each obedience, each, each crisis, even cross with a faith. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I don't know how to thank you for your love. Your love made me the richest person in the universe because you gave your one and only son for me. While every billionaire's wealth will expire one day, I know that my wealth in Christ is everlasting and infinite. Truly, I am the greatest debtor to everyone, just like Apostle Paul. I'm not just blessed, but I am blessed so richly through the crucified Christ. Gracious Father, it is our prayer that every one of us experiences this a trauma of the cross of Christ today and during each day of the Lent so that all our complaints and complacency will be transformed into the convictions and commitment to the preach the gospel and share Christ's love with our VIPs. Truly, we praise you for your righteousness. May the righteousness of God in the crucified Christ not just make us alive, but make us live like your Son and our Savior. In his most holy, righteous name we pray. Amen.